Hey, Ryan, how are you holding up in Kim Jong-un's jail cell? I'm not dead yet. (laughs) Well, hello, loyal fan two or three or just Auntie Pinky having a mint julep on the porch on a walnut orchard in California. It's ramen. And I just want to let you know that we are still in the middle of our summer hiatus from Quarantine Comics and Ryan and I are being pretty lazy but we didn't want to leave you without some of that sweet, sweet, sweet content. So once again, we're revisiting the quote unquote character study that I created last summer with friend of the pod, Paresh Jha. You might be asking, what the hell is a character study? Well, I'm glad you asked because no one else is. Character study is a four part miniseries where we decide to go deeper with one of our favorite comic book heroes, Dick Grayson, AKA the original Robin, AKA Nightwing, AKA Chris O'Donnell, AKA Jay Gordon Levitt. Indeed. And you know what else, Ryan? No. What else, Raman? Tell me what else. There will be blood. And that is basically uh, about Bloodhaven, the town that we're going to talk about on this week's episode. There will be Bloodhaven. (laughs) So, Ryan, um, I'm uh, calling Western Union as soon as I finish editing this podcast. And hopefully uh, we will be able to transfer some Bitcoin into Vietnamese dong into whatever the hell they spend in Korea. And we're going to get you back, buddy. I promise. Yes. Yes. Send money. Send money forthwith. All right. Well, enjoy part three of our character study. And maybe one day we'll hear from Ryan again. Fresh. How's it going, Roman? Oh, man. I have had way too much dick this week. Dude, come on. I can never get enough dick. <laughs> I, <laughs> you said know, I said it. I said it. <laughs> That's, we should change the name of the podcast to that. Paresh <laughs> can't get enough. I really thought this would be the last episode. You know, when we last spoke, Dick Grayson became Nightwing. And all is good in the world. And let's just talk about Nightwing. And, oh, man, it's not that simple, is it? No, not at all. A lot of dysfunction in his life. A lot of dysfunction in the world of DC until, you know, our heroes, Chuck Dixon and McDaniels comes in. I think... Uh, Devin Grayson, too. Devin Grayson. Can't can't forget all of that. But, I I mean, it's, it's hilarious in a way because we started talking in the beginning of this journey on the transition to Nightwing and how it'll always be Nightwing. But man, there's so many different parts of Nightwing and the Nightwing quote unquote origin. It's complicated, dude. Yeah. And since we're reading some of this in chronological order, or I should say it's not chronological order. It's the order of kind of occurrences in Dick's life. what, What was kind of a really pleasant surprise, and I had forgotten about it, is Nightwing year one. You know, we'll we'll talk about the Chuck Dixon, Scott McDaniel, Nightwing, I think volume three run in a bit, but there's so much stuff to get through before we can even get there. And after a hundred issues of the acclaimed series Nightwing, which we both love, they decided to do a Nightwing year one, which is right after he steps out, becomes Nightwing, a solo adventure of him finding his way to Nightwing. And it's so good, even though the disco suit's there. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love the disco suit and I love the retcon, I guess, to I- incorporate uh, Boston brand uh, dead man into the whole thing. But showing the trapeze origins of the suit itself, right? It's the you yep. make fun of the high collar thing and it just seemed like something so 80s when they came up with it in the Teen Titans. But in Nightwing Year One, they're like, this is the kind of costume him and his parents wore in the Flying Graysons. And it makes sense. I, I, I didn't question it. It, it. it validated the disco suit for me. And I think it's, there's just so many good things going on in Nightwing Year One. I, I, I don't, I, I don't even know where to start. It's just, we start with Clayface. <laughs> well, that, it's, it's, you know, I feel like there've been so many, these were Batman's or these were Batman and Robin's last adventures. And there's so many of those. And this is another great installation in that. There's so many different versions. I mean, even we've discussed it in the past, right? And it, there's other stories where they show the Joker clipping Robin's shoulder. And that's why he got fired in this story. It's him being literally, I could really relate to Dick Grayson in the beginning of this story because the dude was struggling with multitasking all of his responsibilities in life. And Leader of the late. Teen Titans, <laughs> on call for Batman. Just just too many things, dude. Like he needed, he needed a better Asana table or something to manage all of his responsibilities. But we find the story in the beginning where Dick Grayson is literally late to help Batman. His main job, right? Robin, the boy wonder, his partner. And Batman's in the middle of a fight with Clayface and he shows up and honestly, you know, not going into too many details. He ends up saving the day, really. Um, but by the skin of his teeth and Bruce the, isn't skin, having it. By the skin of his teeth, but he still saved the day. In my my opinion, it was very impressive. I was I, I am not siding with Bruce Wayne in this situation. <laughs> well, I think that's if there's one takeaway is that we're pro Dick anti anti Bruce. You know, we're t- we're team Dick. We're team Dick all the way. Yeah, if, I mean, if I have to, I, I I respect Batman. But the the story begins that way and ends up him and Bruce arguing in the cave. Bruce literally locking Alfred out of the cave so he can't intervene as he's basically yelling at Dick. And it's kind of brutal. It ends with him firing Dick and Dick's like, fine, I'm going to leave. And his last Bruce Wayne's last words to him are, Dick, wait, leave the suit. (laughs) I was like, damn, dude. And and then what follows is a fun romp through the circus. And I I love the Boston brand. I had always forgotten he was a dead trapeze artist. So it was a, a cool connection in the DC universe. But no, but you're forgetting the Superman connection here. Oh, that's, right. That, that's where the name comes from. That's right. Yeah. And uh, this is this is an important part of the origin that I, for a couple of reasons, I think it's key to who Dick Grayson is as a personality. I always say, and I think this was a line from the comic somewhere. I don't remember where it's from, but Dick Grayson learned how to be a hero from Batman and Bruce Wayne, but he learned why to be a hero from Superman and Clark Kent. And in this, there's also the literal connection. Is this a very special episode of My Two Dads? (laughs) Basically, I think so. But in this, there's the literal connection to a superhero vigilante in the world of Krypton who was cast out from his family, much as Dick Grayson's just been cast out by Bruce Wayne, who took on the persona of Nightwing and, uh, you know, saved the day, kicked some ass, and 
that's where he gets the name from, thanks to Clark. Well, and it's also the second issue of this volume is really worth reading because it's Superman and kind of Dick laying bare reservations of I thought I'd always be Batman. You need your own kind of place of solitude. And that's what leads Dick to go back to. And what I love about modern era Nightwing, all the incarnations is it was almost like a footnote previously that he came from the circus. But in this kind of modern era of Nightwing, they're like, his roots are in the circus. He is a gypsy kid. He you know, lives on the road, carries a bag, always has a smile, is always performing. And there's a good chunk of this book that just spends its time at the circus mm-hmm. and, and talking through those roots. And I think that's really important. And, you know, crafting a costume, coming up with an identity beyond just a name. Uh, and then the rest of it is just kind of how he interacts with the Batman universe, his interactions with Barbara, his interactions with Jason Todd discovering that he's been replaced so quickly. And it's not all about, you know, finding the answers and showing the resolution. It's just kind of showing how does this man become Nightwing? Because in the Judas contract, the Teen Titans book we reviewed on our last episode, it's just a, oh, (laughs) one page of monologue. And now (laughs) I have a costume. (laughs) Well, they fit a lot into that one page. I'll argue that. But yes, there needs to. That's why. I mean, if you if you dive deep enough into this era of Dick Grayson, you'll find a lot of stories covering the reason to become Nightwing. And I think they all work pretty well in tandem. Chuck Dixon, who is the writer of Nightwing Year One, has been involved in a lot of that time period of Nightwing and, and Robin, but also just in Nightfall when when all of that stuff was happening. So I think he's I think that kind of plays into the connection to everything. They do a good job because only one person is really responsible here. And I think Well yeah, he gets he gets the Bat family better than most. And you know, so Nightwing Year One effectively opens with him being fired and closes with him leaping out into the disco suit with mm-hmm. the Titans. And that's we could jump right into Nightwing, but there's just this kind of big era of dysfunction that has to be discussed. Yeah. And it's I love the Teen Titans. I think I've said that it was like DC's answer to the X-Men and it was led by the everyman, Dick Grayson. And once he grows up and gets rid of the pixie boots and becomes Nightwing, you think it's all good. And there's this common thread in his time with the Titans that really kind of makes him a brooding, happy-go-lucky, but ultimately brooding person. And it's his relationship with his girlfriend, the alien Princess Starfire. (laughs) Can't believe I'm saying that on this podcast, but it's like, you know, Corey, Coriander, Princess Coriander, affectionately known as Corey. We've already kind of talked about who she represents when she was created as a character. But DC said, well, this guy, Nightwing, doesn't have his own book, so he's going to be one of the preeminent characters in the Teen Titans. And the couple, you know, there's literally two of the main characters on this team are involved in a relationship. And so for much of the 80s, Nightwing is relegated with a couple of exceptions in Batman and Superman's comics. He's relegated to his character arcs happening in the Teen Titans. And a few major things happen in that era. And the, the best one is his alien princess girlfriend is betrothed to be married to someone else they get whisked away to another planet (laughs) she marries the other guy he doesn't want to be you know the lover he leaves earth he becomes an asshole his best friend big or little sister donna troy kicks his ass literally in therapy (laughs) and i kind of lost the thread there but it picks back up a little later with it picks back up a little bit later with 
him leaving the Titans because of this failed relationship, finding his way back to Batman briefly while Batman is dealing with the aftermath of the death of Jason Todd. And this is kind of what we call Batman year three, a lonely place of dying where they in flashbacks to kind of Dick's early days, paralleling to kind of Bruce's descent into darkness. Now that Jason is dead Dick has to come back and try to reconcile with Bruce because Bruce is teetering into darkness, but Dick can't do it. And there are interactions with the Titans and this really cool DC continuity stuff because they did this crossover between Batman and the Titans because Batman is Batman's book and the Titans is Dick's book. But they introduce this new character called Tim Drake, who I'm almost as big a fan of Tim Drake as I am Dick Grayson. But what it effectively does is it allows Dick to completely move on from Batman and at that point, you know, you've got this great character in Tim Drake with Batman, assuming the mantle of Robin, and Dick's free to kind of go pursue his path again with the Titans, kind of resolving his stuff with Batman. Now, the problem is that relationship that remember I, I mentioned she got married to a guy. <laughs> I don't think the relationship ever recovered. And it, it's really eerie. Like I had a, a college relationship that kind of we took a break saw other people and tried to get back together and it never quite worked. It was just continued dysfunction by trying to keep it working. And I see so many parallels with what was happening with Dick and Corey. Dick and Corey do try to get married. They think it could make it make the relationship work and it doesn't. And they leave the Titans and she may or may not have been possessed by an evil demon seed. But (laughs) then they go hang out with his best friend, the Flash, and shit just doesn't work. And I guess the point through this whole thing, the, the point is, is that exes cannot hang out and fight crime together at the same time. Yeah, I, the, <laughs> truth, and 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 marriage doesn't solve everything. <laughs> I, I say that as a happily married man, but Dick didn't make the right choices. He should have cut bait so much earlier, and you just notice like this descent into this brooding character popping in and out. Be it again in. Batman Year Three in a Lonely Place of Dying, and Donna Troy literally beating the shit out of Dick because he won't listen, and like him just being a shadow of his former self when he goes and teams up with his wife and his best friend to fight crime, and it just doesn't work. And I think I, I don't want no, spend- none of it works, Roman. No, I mean everything that you. If anybody here is listening to that whole gap, Still. right? Yeah. Everything that Roman just said, if you were able to follow along, I commend you. And it's not because, you know, Roman's not a great talker. It's because <laughs> that era is so damn complicated and really, really confusing. It's and a deck, it's a lost decade. It's like literally 1984 to 1993. DC doesn't know what to do with Dick. They just don't know. And and we thought it would be resolved once he's Nightwing, but that wasn't the case. And really, it gives me, I don't know if a better appreciation is the word, but I'm going to the show Titans for a second, the live action show, right? It starts off with Dick brooding so much, as uh, Roman just mentioned, and they linger on that for so long. Dick is really unlikable. He's almost like Bruce in a way where he's just bitter, kind of angry all the time. None of it makes sense. But if you look at this era of the comics, they're just being true to what happened in the comic books. Well, and, and What's interesting is 
when Bruce is lost, when Batman is lost and he's an asshole, he's at his best. He's just kicking ass and taking names. He only hurts two or three people's feelings, you know, Alfred, Commissioner Gordon, and maybe Dick when he shows up to get angry about Jason. Mm -hmm. But when, because Dick's entire character, his comic book was the Titans. His best friend was the Flash. He is, we later learn, or we later come to the conclusion, he's kind of a little bit of the glue of the DC universe. When he's having a bad day, (laughs) the whole DC universe is having a bad day. Like the Titans as a book started to suck. Anytime Nightwing kind of guest starred in other books, it just, he's a downer, man. It wasn't pretty by any stretch of the imagination. And considering the fact that Nightwing is my favorite superhero, Dick Grayson is my favorite character. The early years of him becoming Nightwing is really my least favorite time. And that's, you know, that's shocking to me when I, as I'm, I guess I'm relitigating everything that happened, but it really doesn't get good until, until Chuck Dixon and Scott McDaniels comes in. Well, you're skipping one thing. First and foremost, yeah, we'll call that lost decade the the dashboard confessional era. We all had it. We all know it. You got to have your pain. You got to have your low point so you can have your high point. But right before that moment, Paresh, is a bit of a footnote, but a worthy one. It's where Grayson gets his groove back. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought it was going to be a better reread, and it wasn't. But Batman Prodigal, right? 1994. It's a crossover across all the Bat books right after Nightfall, right after whatever, Azrael, and Batman gets his back broken and Batman comes back. But before Batman can come back, he needs to kind of find himself. And he says, there has to be a Batman. It can't be a psychopath cult member. (laughs) Dick, I'm sorry it wasn't you. And and over the course of 12 issues, which aren't that good, (laughs) you see... Dick Grayson in the bat suit with Tim Drake as his Robin and them just having a, a blast, having a great time fighting crime, kicking ass and taking names in Gotham. And, you know, at the very end of it, Robin issue 13, you have this classic Dick and Bruce have it out moment. <laughs> and there's these things are said, there's no resolution, but Batman takes the mantle of the bat back. And I think, Prodigal served one purpose and one purpose only, and it wasn't for Dick to be Batman, but it it was for Dick to find his self-confidence and become his own man again, his own man, not part of Bruce, not part of Tim, not part of Corey, not part of the Titans, becoming his own man. And it just sets the stage for this is just truly independent era of Nightwing. Yeah. And I mean, it sets the stage, but... One thing you have to understand is it, it it does linger in everything that happens afterwards. So it is valuable to discuss a little bit more about Roman just mentioned. You know, the background here, you know, that Bruce Wayne, his back was broken by Bane. He he can't be Batman anymore. He hired for whatever reason. I still I there's no valid reason other than selling toys in my view, but he makes this psychopath Gene Paul Valley. Well, you know, actually, I'm going to disagree with you. The Bat family didn't have Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson was off doing his own thing. And they actually talk about, I think, in Robin 13. It's like, why'd you hire Azrael, right? Well, he was the guy hanging out in the cave who had the skills to pay the bills. And where was Dick? Where was Dick? He wasn't asked. But he wasn't there. It doesn't matter. 
wasn't he wasn't he wasn't there he wasn't part it doesn't matter if he's there or not he's dick grayson he's the original robin he was the one groomed to be batman he said it himself that was the eventual goal but even in but even in a lonely place of dying i gotta go read the source material man i mean because bruce and dick have it out no i know he i I understand that what i'm saying is i still don't on i get what you're saying about Dick not being there, but Bruce Wayne as a character, as a tactician, knows that's the wrong move. He would that's that's the wrong move, very clearly. That's we, we all we all make failure. mistakes, Paresh. Some Please. some hand them off to psychotic cult members <laughs> <laughs> with robotic suits and it's killer gra- instincts. It's the gravest mistake possible. Alfred would have been better off being Batman in that situation. Anyway. I mean, at least at least he didn't sleep with the daughter of his, his greatest enemy. You know, that's, that's also anyway. <laughs> Bruce Wayne makes bad decisions. <laughs> Let's just it, leave it at that. Yeah. But so for some more context there, I mean, and Gene, Gene Paul Valley goes crazy. He's insane. He's talking to himself. He blah, blah, blah. Makes and a that, robot suit. <laughs> the fu- In the final issues of, of Nightfall, Night's End, all of that stuff, Nightwing and Robin, Dick Grayson and Tim Drake, they they take on Gene Paul Valley. They try to help take him out. And then eventually that all ends. And as Roman just said, Bruce comes to his damn senses and offers Dick the mantle of Batman. And there's two things that happens here. One, he regains his confidence, as you, as you mentioned. But two, he also develops a great relationship with Tim Drake. And that informs not just his run on Nightwing, but he, it also informs another er- another time period in the modern era where he becomes batman again and what you what what i'm getting at here is how he is as a leader and you can contrast it with bruce wayne himself this really cements or starts to cement dick's that dick's status as a as a really good coach in a way i guess not just the leader because the teen titans showed that but this is just one on one well, in the Bat family, Dick's role is, and again, you see it, I mean, some of these flashbacks with Jason for sure, but definitely with Tim, he's the cool uncle. He's the cool big brother. He's the guy who's been there. He's done that, but he's on his own. You know, mm-hmm. he's he doesn't live in the cave. He's got his own thing. And, and he can step up with the best of them. He can, he literally can wear the cape and cowl if, when necessary. He's now the guy on Bruce's speed dial to go do it for the most part, you know? I mean, there are always some illusions. In fact, there's a fantastic issue in the modern era, which we'll talk about later, where they show a flashback to Batman and Robin, and Batman literally telling Robin, you're going to be leading the Justice League one day. There's other things where Superman tells Nightwing, I just assumed you were going to be Batman one day. So (laughs) it's... He's got the skills to pay the bills, to quote the Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. He he can assume the mantle. And it's not that he chooses not to. He just chooses his own path. But he's he's on call. He's ready. His relationships become more sound with Bruce because of Prodigal. And that really sets up everything. There's a couple of miniseries before the Scott Dixon, Chuck Dixon, Scott McDaniel run that, that we're salivating to talk about. But effectively... The setup of this, it's Nightwing Volume 3, which I think started in 1996, mm-hmm. is 
the town up the road from Gotham, a bunch of dead bodies show up, and Bruce has got his plate full. He can't deal with it, and he sends his trusted partner to go deal with it without any resources. Do it on your own. And it's just, man, a hundred plus issues, a couple of writers, mainly Chuck Dixon. It's just comics at its best. Oh, it's I, so good. It's yeah. it's the best. I love it so much. I mean, so, I just reread it and I couldn't put it down. I stayed up multiple nights and I it holds up. I know it really holds up and I want more. I, I actually remember it being a little bit more deep in terms of setting up uh, Dick Grayson and Nightwing's life. I, I wanted more details on certain things. I wanted them to linger on some of these moments a little. It's really action-packed also. Um, and, and, it, it just keeps moving. And you know, we, we've argued about this on past episodes, dude. The Nightwing, literally the first 100 issues, Netflix, just make that a series. HBO, just make <laughs> it, like, don't adapt anything. Like, it it has enough touch points with Superman, enough touch points with Robin, with Batman, but he's on his own. He's in a new city. The cops are corrupt. And he's figuring it out. I And... He's trying to figure out literally how to pay the rent. <laughs> like, <it's>, yeah, <laughs> he, he he has a job as a freaking bartender. I mean, it's it, it it's part like it, it's almost part sitcom, part <laughs> crime drama, um, in a certain respect. But I love the way it starts. As as you alluded to, it starts with twenty one dead bodies showing up in Gotham Harbor, and. Batman is talking to Dick Grayson and it says, I need your help with this. It came from Bloodhaven. Bloodhaven. Is that how it's pronounced? It's an umlaut. I'm a German double major man. Bloodhaven. You, you're, re- you're really going to make me say Bloodhaven every time? Yeah. <laughs> there Damn will it. be blood. There will okay. be blood. Bloodhaven. I'm going to call it The Haven. Anyway, The Haven <laughs> is way worse than Gotham. And it is ridiculous if when... In how they drive that home, it really is. I don't. It, what do you think the inspiration was for that city? I feel like it was. It was almost like Baltimore from the Wire. Yeah, Baltimore from the Wire. <laughs> I mean, it's literally. I think in the first couple issues, he like takes some crooks to the cops, and the cops take him to a dumpster to shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And even re- even recounts that to Robin, who shows up every few issues or every several issues, and they're like, and and his reaction like, oh. like the cops are corrupt everyone's it's just a terrible place to be i think actually one of my favorite moments it's in the first couple issues dick gets off the bus ready to you know with nothing but a duffel bag and there's some kid or girl coming off the bus and he's like she's starting to get harassed immediately and he like literally just gives her the money he's like go to the wayne foundation get a job take my (laughs) ticket back you don't want to be here. Yeah, he's like whatever whatever you think you're escaping from, it is not worse than where you are right now. So get the hell out of here. And he he realizes that instantly. And in terms of the city, I mean, I think I want to linger on the city because even to this day whatever happens with with Nightwing, I always think of of Bloodhaven as his real home because it's so distinct and I know we're talking about corrupt cops, corrupt bureaucrats, whatever. That, And I know like in passing, that kind of sounds like Gotham also, right? I mean, in year one, it's very clear how they show all of these corrupt cops, different people like in the infrastructure. But they 
they drive it home pretty well in the sense that while there's cor- while there are corrupt cops in Gotham and other places, in here it's just everywhere. It, it, they really drive home the point of hopelessness that you cannot do anything unless you literally find somebody dead to rights. There's no there's no DA that's going to help you. There's n- not nobody is going to help you in Bloodhaven. And the city consistently is a character. Yeah. They're they're setting and it's interesting that they made the choice to do it. It's it's a supporting character in this comic book as much as Dudley Soames is, as much as the Chinese Scottish landlord is like <laughs> it's a character and there's moments several issues in where you know he's like I literally can swing around this town faster than more people can with all the interchanges and the like traffic in this town <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a terrible place to live and I, I'm jumping around a lot I, you know for this re-recording I only read 30 issues but you know over the weekend I went to my long box and I grabbed the next 70 because I want to finish the hundred or so issues right up until they decide to do Nightwing Year One. And it was it was my favorite comic. And I, I we have to talk briefly about the art. Scott McDaniel, who does a major a lion's share of the series. And that, I love it when an artist and a writer pair for the long haul for several years, you have this amazing kinetic stylistic form that just communicates the energy of the book, the energy of the city, the energy of what Dick's doing. The covers are some of the best in comics. And again, I literally have all the issues in a stack right next to me. And my favorite is the one of him and, and, and the car. The oh, the, oh, the car. Oh, we got to talk about the car in a minute. Like, <laughs> I mean, I love just Dick's approach to setting up shop in a city is not Bruce's approach. No, but so let's talk about that. That's why this is so good, right? Everyone, like, we were just discussing the early years of Nightwing. This is as good of an origin, real origin story for Nightwing. And I'm not talking about how he became Nightwing. It's just the first years of Nightwing setting up shop in in, in a city. And on his own, on his own. And you, and so what are the, what are the check marks? Think about Batman Begins as a movie for a second, right? Like you need, you need a lair, you need a place to live. You need a car. You need a job. You need all of these things that set up the status quo of a superhero. And this story is setting up the status quo of a hero. We've that's already been around for sixty plus years by this point, and it's it's kind of invigorating to read. So he he gets an apartment in some shitty shitty area of town. He he prefers it that way, and then he wants to get a car. And the whole point of the car is very interesting to me because. He says, this is not going to be like the Batmobile, at least not on the outside. He wants... He buys a a car factory. He buys an (laughs) abandoned car factory, goes to a junkyard, and buys a bunch of frames. Oh, thanks to a trust fund, actually, from his parents, randomly. But I I buy it. I think that's valid. Yeah, and he... And he literally like drops these like garbage ass car frames on top of like McLaren engines. <laughs> it's yeah, so it's basically a supercar with all of the gadgets that looks that like you- a piece of shit. Yeah, that looks like a really really crappy car or any type of car, something unassuming. A taxi. It could be. It could be anything, literally. So that when you're, so that literally, the reason he's doing that is so he could park it anywhere in the city. <laughs> That's really the main reason. He doesn't want his own Jason Todd trying to rob the tires off. 
I guess so. But I mean, those are some of the nuances to this story. I mean, we're, we haven't even gotten into the mystery or anything about the villains yet, but there's so much character development and setting, setting the scene for where he is and, and what's going on. It's that's the stuff that I really love about it. Although I do really like Dudley Soames. Yeah. And here's without, I, and let's talk about Dudley in a second, but here's what I'd say. If you're listening to this, all five of you, <laughs> and you want a good read and you understand that Nightwing eventually was, you know, Robin became this guy eventually just pick up these. And there's been, I, I have to warn you, there's been multiple reboots of the Nightwing series you want the Nightwing series by Chuck Dixon. Just yes. start with issue, volume one, issue one, whatever you want. It's technically volume three, but start with those graphic novels. It's you don't need to know much. You just need to know he's Batman's former sidekick. He's dropped in a city that's worse than Gotham and he has to figure out his stuff. And it's just. I don't have a lot of faith in superhero comics, Paresh. There's a couple of exceptions in the modern era, like Ultimate Spider-Man and a couple other things, but this is as good as it gets. And yeah, Dudley Soames, man. So so Dudley Soames is the antithesis of, did I say that right? Antithesis? Antithesis. Antithesis. uh, Whatever. That of uh, Commissioner Gordon. You're expecting, so that's another thing about the series. You're expecting a lot of parallels with Batman and Gotham. And so there are all these things. The car is different, but so are the people that he's interacting with. You think he might have an ally in this guy because as... We mentioned the first time he goes to the police station with with some criminals that he's caught. They try to shoot him and he thinks he's about to die. So he's trying, you know, he's doing his normal escape route. But Dudley Soames says he's not going to kill him. He wants to work with him. And so you think, OK, this is his a, good, a good cop in a corrupt police force. Yeah. You're like, OK, maybe this is something somebody he can count on. No, not even a little bit. You, would you like to tell our viewers, our listeners, who Dudley Soames really is? I mean, I actually don't. Like, all I'd say is he's <laughs> playing every, he's playing all the angles. He's playing the cops. He's playing the robbers. There is a bigger supervillain at play, but Dudley Soames is the real villain. Sorry, like, you can figure that out very early. But how he's interacting with everyone, they even give him his own like two faced sort of thing kind of later on in the book and I actually don't remember how it resolves like I as soon as we're done recording I'm picking up Nightwing issue 31 and I'm going to read 31 to 100 it's mm-hmm. just so good the bottom line is he's Commissioner Gordon meets Harvey Dent meets Two-Face <laughs> and that, that's putting it lightly he's a, he's a great character and he's not caught up in the baggage and the drama of stuff you already know like Harvey Dent like Commissioner Gordon. It's this is a completely new character. It's completely new territory. And you know he's evil eventually, but you don't he's playing all the angles. He's playing all the sides and you don't know what he's playing at. And that's what makes him such an enjoyable character because you don't know what's coming with him. Yeah, I agree. And going into some of the other, I guess, landmark moments of this run, I touched on it before. Tim Drake Robin shows up a lot and it it's a really cool relationship. There's some great moments where they go into why they do what they do. While There's blindfolded, a, jumping around on a train. <laughs> well, even before that sequence, there was... Oh, the when first, he comes to visit, right? When he the comes first to time he shows up and they're on stakeout. And they're literally on a rooftop 
sharing soup in a sandwich or something like that. And they're talking about the, their differences in being a hero and why they're being a hero. Right. Tim Drake says, I'm in it just to be Robin. That's it. There's no, he he reveals one of the, my favorite moments of Tim Drake as a guy who's read so much Tim Drake. I'm eventually going to stop doing this. (laughs) Go get a job. Like (laughs) he's like, I'm not doing this forever. Like you guys. It's great. Yeah. And he says that and it illuminates a lot of why they work so well together. I mean, one of the things I love about Dick Grayson as a older brother, coach, mentor, whatever, is just the lack of judgment in anything that he, in anything that he says, and any advice that he gives. It's the opposite of Batman, where Batman will either just be silent or just you know move on to the next thing. And, oh, he's my way or the highway. Yeah, and uh, you know Dick Grayson really working with Tim Drake and variety of issues he almost gets him killed in the first one which he gets killed which he feels a little guilty about but then goes in uh, where it goes into the next sequence which is them training on a train blindfolded which is i mean nothing nothing really happens by the way in that issue in terms of plot it's just them talking which i love so much it was and the artwork was really really good in that that was the other cover i enjoyed the most It's it's worth noting. I think Nightwing, Dick Grayson couldn't soar as a character if it wasn't for this kind of this run. And this run is happening. He's got his own issue. It's not the Titans. He's kicking ass as a character, right? And all of a sudden, across the DC universe, Dick starts to show up as the glue. So this is I mean, this series ran for 10 years or so. Until they, spoiler alert, fucked him all up. But, <laughs> but in those 10 years, if the previous 10 years was just a clusterfuck, right? It, it was also one of their highest selling series at the time. I yeah, don't know to check the numbers, but I'm pretty sure it was it, it was one of their top books. I'll believe it. And, and so Dick Nightwing starts to pop up all over the place in the DC universe. Obviously, there's a couple of major events. Gotham has an earthquake. <laughs> as a plague <laughs> and there's a couple of crossovers in the nightwing run but in bat the bat books as well where he shows up but he shows up in other places too a couple of miniseries he shows up in superman he shows up in birds of prey he shows up in the titans they reboot the titans with judd winnick from mm-hmm. real world fame and this consists they figured out the dick grayson character who he is and we can go through some of these beats it's worth going through some of these beats but how this fully realized character, this secure person shows up and inspires and helps others stick together. is just so good. It's like the best Dick Grayson. Like I was reading birds of prey, but my favorite issue was the birds of prey issue where Dick shows up. Right. Yeah. I mean, Persh, you want to talk about some of the hits from, from the golden yeah. era of Nightwing? Yeah. I mean, one of my favorites is actually his interaction with Superman in uh, Action Comics 771. It starts off in, in, a, in a really great fashion. Superman is up in the sky as he normally is, and he sees a jumper. He thinks there's he thinks there's someone that's trying to commit suicide by jumping off a building, and he sees them going through the sky, and he goes through this whole process in his head. He's like, okay, I have to, I have to match his velocity so I don't kill this person. And uh, you know, it, it looks really serious, and then he catches up, and he catches the person and it's just nightwing jumping and he's like dude uh, <laughs> what are you t- 
you're screwing up my jump. <laughs> um, it's a great moment. I always enjoy, for whatever reason, when Nightwing and Superman get together because there's even though they're very similar in terms of. I guess jovialness, optimism. Well, Clark is happy uncle. Yeah, and it's good, and it's good to see that you know that interplay quite often. And, and in this, it's really Nightwing is in Metropolis investigating something about intergang, and uh, Superman helps him out. And it's just you know they, there's some moments where Superman says you're a lot more trusting than than your than your mentor and you know a lot of those moments come into play but I really enjoyed that one. Well it's um, also you even have to say when Superman comes into the Nightwing comics such a good issue, you know, like yeah. absolutely. And there's another run that I randomly discovered on the DC fandom site which I can't find on DC Universe. There's like several action comics issues from the dark era of Nightwing when Nightwing's life sucked. And I kind of want to read them to know what was that interaction like back in the day. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't read those, but the other, the other one that goes, we have to talk about is birds of prey number eight from 1999. You know, if, if Corey is kind of like the one that got away, the relationship that didn't get away or the relationship that didn't work out, Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson, like this is, it's such a good issue that just talks about who they are as a couple and why it works, why it doesn't work. Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. And it, it plays off of it actually plays off of what you see in the Chuck Chuck Dixon run, too. I mean, one, one of the things we didn't mention in that run is that Oracle is kind of a one of the main supporting characters in that series. She shows up all the time. And so their relationship, they really rely on each other. And so, I mean, in so many different ways, but I've said I've said it before. I think I think Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon are probably out of all of his his romantic entanglements. That's the one that makes the most sense to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, Chuck Dixon plants the seeds in Batgirl year one, which we talked about as well. There's even a couple, you know, around this time, and this is kind of the golden era of DC or the modern golden era of DC. Everything they're doing is well, because, you know, Prush, I think I've told you there was call it a two to five year stint where I just completely quit and fell out of love with comics. And what brought me back was DC because DC was taking a frankly writer driven focus on their characters. It wasn't about the artist. It wasn't about the character arcs. It was about the writer. And, you know, I watched, I listened to this other podcast recently where they're talking about superhero movies and uh, actors, be it Chris Hemsworth or Henry Cavill and their role in their as actors take on these characters. And in the comics, I really feel like writers' takes on the character is the parallel. What these writers were choosing to do, and this is why DC comics were so good because they well, were the, writer the, first, the, character the par- first. The parallel in films is really more director writer. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I agree with you. And that's what that that's when you find the content to be more successful, right? When somebody comes in with a genuine point of view, and you get the fuck out of their way, and you let them do their thing for a long time. Yes. And you, you let it breathe. I mean, that's why the Nolan Batman films were so good because nothing else came into play there. There wasn't a mandate to, oh, he has to meet Superman. Oh, he has to do this. It was just, no, Nolan has a point of view. This is a movie that's going to be made, you know, 
with a script and not in the boardroom. And the same thing with this Nightwing run, which is the most successful Nightwing run because of that reason. And it permeates through everything. They even saw how beloved he became. And this is something that's documented. It was all leading up to Infinite Crisis, one of their events in in, uh, DC at the time. And Dan Didio, the, the publisher of DC at the time, the head of DC, he was almost going to kill off Nightwing. That was going to be the big thing at the end of Infinite Crisis. Wow. That, that Dick Grayson was going to be killed off because he had become so beloved. And his argument was that that's the only way to shock everybody. That's how you make it hurt, right? Yeah. And while I don't necessarily disagree with that, I would have been so angry. Luckily, I know. Well, like- well okay. Hang on. Just to be clear, I think Superboy is the one that died. Mm-hmm. And this is my fundamental problem with superhero comics. Even that becomes undone, right? So- and, and yes. you know, we, we've eclipsed, skipped over Teen Titans with Nightwing kind of breaking up a fight with the JLA. I'll, I'll, I'll get into that moment because I really like that moment. But yeah, but but my, my point is nothing is permanent. It's very interesting that they thought they were going to do that. But there's so many good beats before that moment even happens in mm-hmm. 2005. And so, I mean, Dick leads multiple teams. Dick intervenes between multiple teams. He's the glue. He's the the necessary friction he's he's the everyman of the dc universe for well he's the most better part re- of a decade or two yeah he's the most reliable hero in the dc universe and bruce wayne batman realizes this too he sends him on i mean in a way their their working relationship became so good that batman trusted him to do you know to run the outsiders to do these things and it was also prevalent in the show young justice that was i mean Nightwing ends up becoming the guy who leads covert missions, who's the one who can, you know, who's the guy you go to when you really need something. And he's there to help. He's there to to run the show. And it all started here. But going back really quick to them trying to kill him off, I that while the impact might have been immense, all of those things are always cheap tactics. I don't think it's a good idea to necessarily, even if you're doing an event story tip, that you have to kill off a major character to make this work. That's not, you have to have a reason first. So I'm on record for saying that's bogus. Anyway, the reason that they thought it was going to make such an impact is because of everything we just said. He became the glue of the DC universe. One of the, one of the moments that's in pure display is... An issue of Teen Titans number six, I believe it was written by Jeff Johns, actually. And this is basically Tim Drake's Tim Drake and Superboy Teen Titans squaring off against the Justice League because of a silly argument. Well, Um, I mean, (laughs) it's not silly, but it is. Okay, fine. Because of an argument. (laughs) As superpowered beings have. Yeah, I mean it happens all the time, right? The, the, the it's cor- the it's the inevitable fight amongst. <laughs> yeah. What would happen if Starfire and Wonder Woman started fighting? Hello, yeah. Teen Boys. Yeah, and the premise is always the same issue between the Teen Titans and the Justice League. You think we're kids? We can't handle ourselves. Blah blah blah. You haven't proven yourself to be ready. Blah blah blah. That's you know that's really how it goes. But the end of it, and you know, Dick Grayson's nowhere to be found until the last five pages of this story. Everyone's fighting. It's in disarray and Nightwing shows up and his first appearance. All you need is a little dick. (laughs) That's all they needed. hundred percent. And his first appearance, if you go to this issue, 
he's standing, he's towering over everybody. They show him from the ground up and he's, he's just like enough, everybody stop. And he goes into, he, he goes and talks to every person having a disagreement here. He talks to, he talks to Wally about, Oh, don't you remember how much you hated it when, you know, they, they didn't trust us. Wally he, West, the flash, who's now a member of the justice league. Yeah. And former it, kid flash mem- founding member of the Titan teen Titans. Exactly. And then he goes, you know, he goes to talk to Tim and he talks to Bruce, you know, and even he, he like commands Batman basically in a way at the end, he's like, all right, Bruce, I'm going to take Tim home. He could skip the lecture today. He doesn't need it. And just moments like that where he literally stops all of these gods from fighting each other. And they listen to him because Nightwing said so. Well, he's the more human version of Batman. Like, look, Batman is the original Tony Stark, the rich guy, his superpowers being rich and the best at everything. But he's a bit of an asshole, kind of like Tony. And... Where Dick Grayson is not Peter Parker from the MCU. He is the everyman. Dick mm-hmm. is the everyman. But he's friends with everybody. He's got a history with everybody. He's been on every team. He's been on every adventure. He's been to space. He's got the space girlfriend. He's got the <laughs> computer hacker girlfriend. He's He's got the skills to pay the bills, man. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves a little Dick. <laughs> it's true. And, and he backs it up. And in... In this story, it's really obvious. You don't expect it. You don't really don't. I when I, I remember reading it for the first time, I didn't expect him to show up all of a sudden. But he shows up out of nowhere in this story. And everyone's like, yeah, Nightwing is the best. Nightwing is a boss. <laughs> and I kind of want to end it here. But I do think. Man, I did not know Paresh that they were gonna, Didio was going to kill him. Good thing he got fired. Thank it, God. Too soon? No. You know, that was a great moment. I mean, to me, that is almost the pinnacle of who he became in the DC universe. And I think like an almost, I don't know what the right punctuation mark is. It's not quite an exclamation point because it's a bit somber. As you said, apparently Dan Didio wanted to kill this everyman, everyone's favorite guy. And so you fast forward a few issues to, or a couple of years even, to Teen Titans number 33 and it's the end of the world and Dick and Superboy's kind of big adventure. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's leading into the whole infinite crisis finale, you know, the finer plot points I'll, I'll, I'll really skip, but they have to get to somewhere really complicated. <laughs> okay. And they're, they're going together. All of a sudden you see Nightwing in this story in his old eighties flying costume. It's it. He almost looks kind of like Falcon from, from Marvel and you're wondering why he's doing that. And they're getting up there together. And this is the the part of the story that stuck out to me the most is he literally brought that in so that uh, Superboy didn't, wouldn't have to carry him while flying. It's cause so he could fly and it was like 80 pounds and it was all the stuff and he was just trying to be considerate. And they're, they're, they're right in that moment. That's the opposite of him and Bruce. Right. Bruce would have done something like that just to prove that he can hold his own. Dick was just doing it so that, you know, Superboy could maintain what he's doing and and get there. And it, it becomes this whole big brother uh, pep talk to Superboy about, you know, believing in yourself and doing all this stuff. And again, I if I'm not mistaken, this issue starts with a line from Superboy that says Nightwing is the best. 
And I think it ends with that too. I, I think these are really good <laughs> punctuations to kind of the best of Nightwing. I'm not saying there's not other good Dick Grayson, but the best of Nightwing kind of ends in these moments, you know? Yeah, yeah. And nobody questions him, right? There's one other moment I want to quickly talk about, which I don't I don't think, Roman, you, I don't know if you've read this, but it's right after all this Infinite Crisis stuff when there's kind of like a reboot or one year later or something like that. Brad Meltzer, who did Identity oh, yeah. Crisis, yeah. he takes on Justice League. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 And there's a moment in the beginning where Bruce Clark and Diana are trying to they have all these pictures in front of them. They're trying to reassemble the the new Justice League. Right. And they're arguing. You know, they're not they're not agreeing on anything. And then in one page, you see a picture of Dick Grayson and you see everyone's inner monologue and everybody talking. Superman says, oh, finally, an easy one. We can stop arguing now. And he says, Bruce, let's do this. We should honor him. Let's invite him to the Justice League. And Diana's like, yeah, his, you know, his hand to hand combat, all this stuff. And then Bruce just interrupts them and says, no, he's not going to do it. He doesn't want to do it. He's like, what do you mean? How do you how do you even know? We should at least ask him. And Bruce, in typical fashion, said, I already did. He said no. And they get angry at Bruce in, in the sense of, hey, we agreed that we were all going to do this together. And it was going to be a group decision. And Bruce, one-liner, not with this one, not with him. And again, just shows how great he is, that he's got the respect of everybody, everybody at the top of their game. When you have everybody's respect, that means something. And that's why I love Dick Grayson. That's why you love the dick. That's why we love the dick. (laughs) That's why everybody loves the dick. That's the truth. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com. Give you a social media handle, but we're old, and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Jones.